Welcome back to Crawford Insights. As we promised in an earlier episode, we're going to circle back on the theme of pendulum shifts. This is the first time we've revisited a theme, and I'm excited to try something new. As usual, I'm your host, Tom Bueller, Portfolio Manager here at Crawford. And today, we're going to review an article we just published titled, Pendulum Shifts, Inflation, Interest Rates, and Fed Policy. This piece is heavily oriented towards the current and expected interest rate environment, so I've asked Jeff DeLong to join us. Jeff leads our fixed income group here at Crawford. He's going to walk us through this important update on interest rates and the fixed income markets. As our listeners are no doubt aware, interest rates have moved up significantly this year, but everyone may not have as great an understanding for the implications of higher interest rates and the opportunities they are presenting at this time. Jeff, thanks for joining us to discuss what has happened in the fixed income world and what that means for investors. Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm glad to be here. Well, on the theme of doing something different, I'm going to start this podcast off a little bit differently, and I'm going to give an update on the fixed income markets. So I'm definitely going to be out over my skis really quick here. So if you hear anything that's not accurate, feel free to stop me right there and and course correct. So let me set the stage here at the beginning. And Jeff, I know we've seen a lot of change with interest rates, Fed policy, and bonds over the last couple of years. But let's go back to mid-2020 and provide an update on what's occurred since then. In the summer of 2020, we were still experiencing significant reductions in all kinds of activity due to COVID restrictions. In response to that, the Federal Reserve, or Fed, had taken the federal funds rate to zero, and all other interest rates had declined along with it. The yield on the 10-year Treasury was as low as approximately 0.50 in early August. The economy was in the very early stages of recovery, and the U.S. government and governments around the world were using both monetary policy and fiscal policy to try to support the economy and markets. Fortunately, those emergency measures worked, but they also set the stage for much higher inflation, which we're still feeling today. If we look at this time last year, the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury had increased to about 1.55%. The Fed's own projections for future policy only included one 25 basis point hike in the federal funds rate for 2022. Looking at where we are right now shows a very different environment. Inflation is running at or near 40-year highs. The Fed has had to react more aggressively than it originally anticipated. It's actually already raised the federal funds rate at all six of their meetings held through today. That would have been a total of 13 25 basis point increases. And they're almost certainly going to raise it two more times this year for another five 25 basis point increases in 2022. Additionally, they also began shrinking their balance sheet last spring, and as of September, the pace of reduction has effectively doubled to approximately $90 billion per month. All of this has led to the worst bond market in at least 40 years, as investors have seen what is traditionally the safest part of their investment program decline by as much as 15 to 20% through the end of the third quarter. Finally, the yield curve is inverted when looking at certain parts of the maturity spectrum, which is not an encouraging sign. All right, that's a lot to digest, Jeff. So let's go ahead and let you weigh in on some of this. Sure thing, Tom. So you're absolutely right. I mean, it's been a remarkable year in the bond market. And unfortunately, a lot of folks that are invested in bonds have felt a lot of pain. We still think that there are some good things to be done in here, some opportunistic things. So I'm excited to get into that. But it's really about continuing to think about bonds as the part of your portfolio that can't go away. The income production component and the principal preservation component, we think, are keys to the objectives of owning bonds and it's really what drives our investment process. 
Well, I noted that rates have moved up over the last two years in reaction to the Fed raising the federal funds rate to combat inflation. Where are rates across the yield curve today? So just definitionally, when we're talking about rates generically, we're really referring to U.S. Treasury security yields. Treasuries are really the benchmark for other sectors because they're considered to be credit risk-free. Currently, yields are in the high 3% to mid 4% range across the three-month to 30-year maturity spectrum. And as you mentioned earlier, it's been a remarkable year for the bond market. And to put it in terms of moves in Treasury yields, the three-month Treasury bill has risen about 400 basis points this year. Two-year Treasury notes risen about 368 basis points, and the 10-year has risen about 250 basis points. It's really been a dramatic reset for the bond market after being held to the Fed zero bound for over two years. So that's an update on where we are with government bonds. What about the strategies that we run here at Crawford? Just in terms of current yields, our core bond strategy is currently yielding right around 5%, and our municipal bond strategy is in about the 35 to 3.75% range. With rates having moved up, that's caused prices on bonds to decline and investors have experienced negative returns. Is there any kind of silver lining in this environment? We're viewing what's happened as an opportunity for investors to lock in higher yields for their portfolio. Obviously, there's been some pain as bond values have been negatively impacted by the move in rates, but we're very intentional about using a laddered maturity distribution in structuring our strategies. And this has really afforded us the ability to reinvest at these higher rates as bonds have matured, and it's allowed us to be opportunistic with extending shorter maturity bonds for longer maturities. Jeff, I noticed when you were talking about the government yields, you basically said they're more or less the same from three months to 30 years. And in fact, we actually see a bit of an inversion right now where short-term rates are higher than long-term rates. What is that telling us? I know that inversion can seem like an esoteric concept. In essence, an inverted yield curve is really one where short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. Typically, this occurs during a period of monetary policy tightening when the Fed's raising the overnight bank lending rate in an effort to slow demand in the economy and consequently reduce cyclical inflation. The reason the curve inverts is related to the bond market's interpretation of the longer run effects of that policy tightening, specifically the expected impact on future inflation and real economic growth. So the Fed has control of short-term rates, and the market discounts or prices in its expectations for the future. Ultimately, a flat or inverted curve is typically a good indicator that we're in the late stage of an economic cycle. So we're talking about an inverted curve where short-term rates are higher than longer-term rates, but that's not always perfectly defined. Some people look at the relationship between two-year bonds and 10-year bonds. We tend to focus more on that relationship between three-month bonds and 10-year bonds. Why do we focus on the latter? We think both relationships are important to consider, looking at two-year versus 10-year and three-month versus 10-year. But the three-month Treasury bill is more directly influenced by a Fed rate policy. It carries less market interpretation for future inflation expectations than the two-year note does. In the past four U.S. recessions, going back about 30 years, I would say post-Paul Volcker, the three-month 10-year relationship inverted prior to the recession all four times, whereas the two-year 10-year inverted three of four times. So there's that data as well. 
We're in a weird environment right now that we just talked about where short-term rates are greater than or equal to long-term rates. In that environment, are we just staying with making purchases on the short end? No, and in fact, we're taking advantage of the rate environment to lengthen our strategies right now. As I mentioned before, locking in these higher yields for longer is really what we're after as an income-driven manager. We're committed to staying in the intermediate term spectrum, which we would define as a strategy having an average maturity range of about four to seven years. But given where we appear to be in the economic and rate cycle, we're really now pushing more toward that seven-year average. So we're pushing out further right now, but is there evidence that that is a good strategy that's likely to pay off for us? If you go back and look at periods where monetary policy is tightening and you are looking at a flat or slightly inverted rate curve environment, for example, where the 10-year Treasury and the two-year Treasury note are paying the same thing or the two-year note's actually paying a little more, you tend to benefit significantly from locking into that 10-year Treasury yield. For example, if you go back and look in August, of 2006. The Fed had just completed a tightening cycle, and 10-year and two-year treasuries were actually yielding the same thing, right at about 5.15%. Well, if you bought the two-year bond and rolled it over four times, your simple average yield for the 10-year investment horizon would have been about 1.83%, whereas just buying that 10-year would have locked you into 5.15%. So the next question might be, well, how would I have known that rates were headed down? And I think really that the answer is as simple as just knowing that that curve is giving you, based on history, a very good indicator for where you are in the cycle. And that's where we find ourselves now. And what is that indication? I mean, because the curve is flat to slightly inverted, how does that tell you what the next 10 years may look like? Well, as far as what the next 10 years might look like, there's a timing component to that. And what we're always going to tell you is that while we think you can be right about the trend in rates, we don't think anybody is going to be right about the exact timing or magnitude of rate changes. So what we prefer to do is think about this as an opportunity to lock in longer term at higher rates and know that basically what we're seeing right now in terms of the curve indicating a late cycle stage, we know that if we were to move into a recession and the Fed were to change policy, that it's likely we would see lower rates in the future. The exact timing of that, again, is not something that we want to be in the game of trying to prognosticate. We do believe that by going ahead and locking in good rates now in high-quality bonds that our clients and our strategies will do well over the coming decade. Is that locking in these higher rates in longer maturities a reflection that we think a recession may be imminent? You know, we don't think a recession is imminent. We think that there's still a chance, given the strength in the economy, particularly the strength that we're observing in the labor market, that the Fed's going to be able to navigate us through this without a recession. Even if we have one, we're going to be well positioned by virtue of the way that we structure our strategies and a ladder distribution, the way that we're committed to sticking to high quality which, by the way, has benefited us greatly this year as higher quality has outperformed. So we feel really vindicated and pleased by that relative outperformance. But to be positioned for whatever outcome is headed our way and just knowing what the likelihood is based on what the curve is telling us. In addition to making purchases of longer maturity bonds, are there any other adjustments for making the client's bond holdings to reflect the changing environment we find ourselves in? 
We're currently working to lighten our exposure to credits or bond issuers that are more cyclically sensitive. For instance, in our core bond strategy, we're trimming our corporate bond holdings in more pro-cyclical industry sectors, for example, pure industrials or consumer cyclicals, financial issuers. And we're going to reinvest those assets into government agency and potentially state or local government issues. In the municipal side of things, we're focused on essential service and tax-backed issuers where there's a higher degree of consistency and predictability with the revenue coming in that will service our interest and principal payments. And then we'll trim more cyclically sensitive municipal sectors like sales tax back bonds. Jeff, investing's always focused on the future. So get out your crystal ball and dust it off here and let us know what you see for the remainder of 2022 and into 2023. Well, just looking at what the Fed Fund's futures market has priced in and based on the rhetoric that we have coming out of the Fed and knowing how determined they are to fight this inflation beast, we think that next week when they meet, there's a reasonable expectation they're going to be moving the target rate up another 75 basis points. That's currently priced into the market as 100% probability. And then at their December 14th meeting, they'll likely go another 50 basis points. So that would take us to an upper bound of about 4.5% by the end of the year. And then looking out at futures in 2023, it looks like the Fed's going to be slowing down, or at least that's the expectation, with only an additional 50 basis points or so in higher rates currently priced in. So by the time we get to the middle of next year, or roughly May of next year, next year, we will have theoretically hit the peak. At least that's what the market's pricing in as of right now, which would be right around 5% on the Fed funds target rate. We're going to get a lot more insight into the Fed's thinking once they get to that December 14th meeting, because we'll get an updated dot plot, which shows us where each of the board members thinks rates are headed. What could cause the Fed to alter course based on what the market is more or less expecting right now? I think the best way to answer that is just to stick to what they're sticking to, which is rhetoric around fighting inflation. I think if inflation data and inflation expectations come down meaningfully, they've got a chance for being able to back off the accelerator a little bit. They've been very direct about their laser focus on bringing inflation down, and I think we can count on that. They are going to get some help over time as inflation numbers drift lower from the base effect where you have current inflation index readings compared to the same index a year prior, and that will naturally make things feel a little bit better. But when you refer back to the pendulum shift narrative you all had a podcast about earlier in the year, it's going to be interesting to see how much of the current inflation we're experiencing is structural or secular versus cyclical. We know the Fed can influence cyclical inflation by by curbing demand. But there are changes that have taken place and that continue to take place in the global economy, some of which predated the COVID pandemic, which could have a longer, more intractable influence on prices outside of the Fed's influence. You know, those changes include the decline of globalization and the higher costs associated with labor and onshoring supply chain and production capabilities. So it will remain to be seen, and I think it's too difficult to know what the proportion is between that structural and cyclical inflation component of CPI. Jeff, thank you for taking the time to cover a part of the market that's been anything but boring this year and looks to continue to be an area of focus going forward. The fixed income team at Crawford has done a great job of helping our clients navigating these changing conditions, and we see that reflected in the attractive relative returns from our bond strategies so far this year. Now that we have a much more rewarding opportunity set in the form of higher yields in front of us, I know you and your team will be looking to position our clients to benefit from that for the long term. 
It was great to get your perspective on what we've seen with inflation, interest rates, and Fed policy, and what we may experience going forward. That's all for this episode. Once again, remember to see Jeff's article, Pendulum Shift, Inflation, Interest Rates, and Fed Policy, on our website at insights.crawfordinvestment.com forward slash perspectives. Be sure to subscribe to the Perspectives blog while you're there, and we look forward to putting out another podcast episode next month.